0: I wanted to talk to you guys about passion, uh, but first let's go into the scripture. I wanted us to first start off in John chapter two, verse thirteen. now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. When he had made, uh, he had made a whip of cords, he drove them out all of the temple, with the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves. Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Mm. And then I want to go to Psalm chapter 69, verses 7 through 9. It says, Because for your sake I have borne reproach, shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, and an alien to my mother's children, because zeal for your house has eaten me up. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be able to speak tonight. God, I ask that you would anoint my, my lips and give me wisdom on every word that I say. Let it be that it is sweet as honey to each and every person and that we grow tonight in one, one accord with unity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I have to admit first, it's kind of strange. I'm not used to Brad being here. <laughs> so, so I'm used to being able to do this while he's gone, but tonight I was blessed to be able to do this while he's here, and that makes me happy. I told him it's about time I get to finally see him out there in the crowd while I'm preaching. And so thank you for everything that you said. It made me tear up a moment, and it was, it was a blessing. And with, with you saying that we've been through so much, It is so true, and you've seen me at the times when I didn't have that passion or that zeal, as the scripture says. So thank you for sometimes putting up with me, too, (laughs) and vice versa, you know. Anyways, uh, in the scripture, they use the word zeal to describe exactly how, how the feeling was for his house. I... I titled this, A Passion for His House for a Reason, because I knew if I could say zeal over and over again, but to me, the impact of the word passion comes across a little bit deeper. A definition for zeal is a strong feeling of interest and enthusiasm that makes someone very eager or determined to do something. And one of the synonyms for the word zeal is passion. So I said, you know, let's talk about being passionate for God's house. And I know you're probably thinking, okay, well, we, we covered this last week. But no, this is a totally different area. We're going to talk about a totally different area when it comes to God's house tonight. And so I hope you guys are ready. Is everybody prepared? Yes. Amen. Amen. Right. amen. Let's get this party going then. First thing I wanted to say was whatever you're passionate about when it comes to that, people know about it. Right. For example, hobbies. People know I, I crochet, they know I love to. I don't have to sit here and wear a scarf that I've made or a hat that I've made or, or, or a shawl or anything to show that. People who have enough time talking to me find out that I love crocheting. It's just something I've always enjoyed. And in fact, when it comes to that passion, I get it actually from my dad. My dad, he doesn't crochet. Don't, don't think that is, he doesn't do that. But what he does is he picks up hobbies that he loves. And what he'll do is he'll get so into that hobby, he'll then buy every book he can, watch every video he can, and he will research it till the cows come home. He will know every single thing. When we got a computer, a gateway computer, this was way back in the day, he bought the book and read the entire book before he would even, on how to work a computer before he'd even turn it on. And it was just, it was how he did things. Every time he he, wants, he gets interested in something, he researches it, and then he becomes friends with people who have the same interest. Right. And he learns from them. Like, for example, whenever he started uh, doing knives, he became a bladesmith. And he would go to these shows, and he would learn from people, and he would become friends with people. And one of the people, one of the persons that he got to meet, I cannot remember the gentleman's name, but he's famous for he made the knife for the movie Blade like the famous knife that the guy held. He's a superhero character, and, and this man taught him a lot of things. Well, my dad, he would learn all that, and then he would say, "Oh, over here, I love this hobby too. But everything that he did, he, he gave away. He loved blessing people. It would, we would go to a restaurant, and he would say, go get my tackle box, and we knew what was in it. It was a tackle box full of knives that he made, usually Bowie knives. And he's, like, giving them out to people. And I told Dad one day, I said, you're going to get arrested. <laughs> you're going to get arrested. You don't even have cases for them. You're just handing people knives. And then he also started making spoons, like wooden spoons. He got into that too, and he learned how to do that. And I remember one day he wanted to bless my mom with something. And he, he went out there, and he made her a bouquet of flowers that were wooden. And in fact, I have a set of them in my house too. And it was just the thing, it made my mom happy. And it was just something he was passionate about. He could spend hours just learning about it because he loved every aspect of it. And so some people are passionate about their sports. Right. Who in here loves sports? Right. Mm-hmm. Have you ever went to a, an event and seen where they they paint their faces and stuff yeah well okay when we were when we were youth pastors back in Bearden we had to go to all the football games like half of our youth group was on the football team and they would always make it to the final two and I remember one year we went and we were there and it was snowing and it was sleeting and it was freezing and we were out there and there were people who came for this game who had no family in the game or anything they just came loyally because they loved football that they were going to watch these high schoolers play in the snow and in the sleet and we were all sneaking off to the bathroom trying to use the air vent (laughs) you know just sticking our whole body in there just to dry off and to warm up and people were out there with coats and jackets and and blankets and everything and so it was their passion they loved sports it didn't matter how cold it was and some people they have a passion for their grandchildren They'll show pictures of their grandbabies. They'll talk about them. I mean, I talk about my kids all the time just because I love them, and I want to brag on them as much as possible. I talk about my husband because I love them, and I want to brag on them as well, and so we, we have passions like that. Some people are foodies. I don't know if you know what that means, really. That just means that it's the people who are so obsessed with food, like they'll take pictures of it and and they'll put it on Snapchat or Instagram or anything like that. Before they'll even eat it, they'll let it go cold just so they can get that perfect angle because they're so into the food, not just the taste of it, but the look and the place where you go and things like that. And my my favorite one that I wanted to talk about was fitness. Some people, you know when people are into fitness. And so I, I love that we watched this video the other day called Stereotypes, People in the Gym. Because I've seen it. Uh, you see people who take the protein powder and pour it in their mouth without any water. That's the weirdest thing. Or you'll, you'll know when you talk to them. And, and I think my favorite one was they showed a guy in a sauna suit walking by. And it said, you know, that's one of the stereotypes, a guy in a complete sweatsuit. And he's like in a silver suit walking by like, what's up? And, and so it was pretty funny. My kids love it because Aaron now goes to the gym and he looks for those people. And so it's hilarious. But point being, everybody's got a passion, correct? There's something we all are passionate about. It could be our family, it could be hobbies, it could be food. I think we all love food, but um, you get the point. And so tonight, that's why I wanted to say there's passion for his house. Just like we have passion in so many other areas, we're so passionate about it. We should also have that about our faith. It should be that any person who has any type of contact with us knows where our beliefs are and what our faith is. Amen? Because there's a passion in that. Now, a good example would be we had a friend, I'm going to leave names out, but I had a friend who she met with someone who was a different denomination. And as they were talking, the woman said to her, well, I dress like this so people know what I believe. I don't need the other stuff. I need to dress like this because then people see me and know what I believe. And our friend, I loved what she said back. She just looked at her and said, well, I don't need my clothes to tell people. I let my mouth do it too. And so I just thought that was the most beautiful thing to hear her say that to someone that she had explained. It's more than how you look. Your whole life needs to show that. If you're passionate about it, it shines through. So as we talk about being passionate, I had a few questions I wanted to ask. First one is, number one, how do we become passionate for God? Well, as I studied and I prayed about what to teach on tonight, it's kind of funny because on this question, it actually answers for what we have been learning about week one. Is the first point. Studying God's Word. We need to be in God's Word. A great example would be sometimes I I wake up in a crabby mood, like he says, sometimes he lets me sleep, you know. But I sometimes don't wake up in the best mood. I get in the Word of God, my eyes change. Doesn't matter what I'm reading. It's as though something in me has completely shifted, and the reason why it's shifted is because God is speaking to me. I'm not just reading the Word of God just to get it done with and say, okay, I did my quota. It's studying the Word. As you study the Word, you learn more. You grow more. You realize, oh, wait, okay, I've always heard that, that scripture quoted, but now I know where it's at. That's always, when you're a new believer, that's the funnest part. When you find the scripture that you've always heard people talk about. And sometimes the funniest part is when you go, wait a minute. That's not how they quoted it to me. (laughs) Then you start to realize, oh, this is why I need to study God's word. So week one, we covered that. And then the second one would be for week two, what we covered. And that's getting connected, plugging into a church, being a part of growth groups, we have how many growth groups now? About 15 growth groups. We have something for everyone. And there's, there's no reason to not be connected because that's what we need. We've been for two years in a point of almost isolation. And it's detrimental. It showed that the suicide rates have went up. Depression is on a high. I bet you if I looked at the statistics of certain medications that are out that deal with antidepressants and things of that nature, we would see a higher rate from these past two years. And that's what getting connected means, is we need to be connected so we can be with one another, so that we fellowship. It's not just about us coming in here and all sitting sporadically. It's the fact that 15 minutes before church starts, we're all talking to one another. We're asking how our day is, or we're seeing people that are missing, And saying, huh, I need to get in contact with them. I wonder if they're okay. And that's what it's about, is getting connected and feeling like you're a part of a family. Because when you get connected and you create friendships that are in the church, in the body, that are believers just like you... It helps you grow spiritually. It gives you more of a passion because you have an understanding of why that's important to build up those relationships. Not every person is going to be in your inner circle. You know, some people are going to be acquaintances, and that's okay. But the thing is, is what makes you grow and become passionate are the types of personalities that are in that inner circle. I have some incredible friends that I can confide in, that I can go to. There are times I've actually had to say, hey, I'm sorry if I sound like a Debbie Downer. And it's just because I needed a moment. And they say, no, no, you needed it. Because they're, they're my friend. They're not there to criticize me on it or critique me. They're there to help lift me up. They realize I needed someone. And, you know, it's funny because um, when I look back to when I dealt with my mom, Passing. One of the ways where me and Misty became so close was she just knocked on my door randomly and said, Hey, can I come in? And sat down and said, Tell me all about it. Another person who was a really incredible listener was Miss Tina. She stood outside with me (laughs) in the parking lot and just listened to me. I needed that. And because of that, I was able to finally say, All that's gone, I can grow again. And I needed that moment. And once you're able to get into God's Word and you get connected in a church and plugged in and get to knowing people, then you need to go out and you need to tell people. Tell your story. I think about the woman at the well and how her faith was. I want that faith of a new believer. I want to feel that fire all the time because she was so excited over what God did. She went and told everybody, now, if you've watched The Chosen, I kind of feel like they made her look like she was an annoying, crazy lady, but I don't believe that's what she was at all. I believe people saw a change in her life because they saw who she was before and saw who she is now, and that power that Jesus put through her showed a fire and a passion, and that's what we need. We need passion in our life so that we can tell our story. I've been very open about what my story is, but I can tell you right now without any fear because I've been honest with every person in my life, including my parents. At 15, I started drugs. I started drinking. I started dating guys. I did all kinds of stuff. I started skipping school. I I wasn't a Wiccan, but I ended up being friends with a group of Wiccans, and I would go to their meetings because I didn't care. I was like, who cares? It's not anything big that... As I called it, they were glorified tree huggers. That's how I see it. That's how I saw it whenever I went with them. But five years after that, I went through a radical transformation where God really changed my life. And to this day, I can say, cigarettes, they don't tempt me. Alcohol doesn't tempt me. Uh, No form of drugs, no old lifestyle tempts me. But the reason why it doesn't tempt me Is because I stay in the Word of God. And I stay connected and I share my story. I was the girl in high school nobody ever thought was going to do anything. And now here I am teaching. Amen? God can change anybody. I really am living proof of it. In fact, when we first got saved, Brad would go to the church and I was the kind of person that said, Oh, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. He found a way to get me to go to church, and it was, he, he came and told me, he said, nobody believes I'm married, and I went out of bitterness. I was like, you know, I'm going to prove to them, and I walked up in there, and I was like, yeah, I'm Blonnie, you know, and through that, I was able to finally, and people were excited to meet me, which was the weirdest part, because I was like, oh, okay, they're hugging me, and now I'm a hugger. When at first I was like, oh, okay, okay, it's nice to meet you too. But then one day as I was working at FINA, I'll never forget, a lady from the church came just to say hi to me. FINA is a gas station I worked at. That changed everything in me. It made me feel like then I was loved and that people truly did care about me. And it made me want to be at church. That's the thing, It's the want not that you have to go, but that you get to go. Right. Vera Wang said, when you have a passion for something, then you tend not only to be better at it, but you work harder at it too. Just as my dad had that passion for woodworking and bladesmithing, he studied, he got connected to the right people, and then he shared what he learned. Because he had a passion for it. So now that we have that passion, the next question is, what keeps the passion burning? That's our second question. What keeps us going? Because you know what? We've lit the fire, but now we've got to soak it. We've got to keep it lit. If you have a, a group of coals here lit and you separate one, it slowly dies out. So how do we keep it from being separated? and pulling away to where the burnout goes first thing is being consistent you've got to have consistency you can't just sporadically say oh well today i'll read my bible oh i was too busy i didn't get a chance to read it brad has been doing this incredible program called 75 hard and it's been hard his, bless his heart And it's where it's not a diet or anything. It's just a group of rules he has to follow, and he has to stick to them for 75 days every single day. And in this group, he has to do a certain amount of water. He has to stick to the same type of food that he wants to eat. If he's on a paleo diet, that's what he would be on, keto, whatever it is. And then he has to read 10 pages of a book every single day, and he also has to drink a gallon of water a day and have two workouts a day. Now, that's been tough on him because he works full-time too. And he's a full-time dad and a full-time husband, but he stuck to it. And the whole point of it is not for weight loss. It is to help train your brain into getting into a routine that no matter what comes your way, you're gonna stick to it. And so it's really cool. This thing that he found called 75 hard, and it really is hard. But that's the thing, is consistency. We have to stick to a plan. We can't just say, I'm going to read my Bible. No, we need to study our Bible. We need to take time and spend it with God quietly. We have to have that alone time, because that helps keep us grounded and balanced. And the second thing is we have to have people that are close, You can't do it alone. We can't be that coal that slowly, if a coal is rolling away, it has to be pushed back in. And through that, that's through friends, spiritual parents, church family, accountability partners. You have to have all of these areas in order for you to thrive. Because when you get around people that are just like you, whether if you're negative, that's all you're going to ever have. You don't want the people that are just like you in a negative. You want those that are going to help stoke that fire, help build you up. Maybe even sometimes have to slap you back into sense and say, snap out of it. We've all had to have that, um, each and every one of us. And so we need people in our life. We have to keep people close. We've been in that time of isolation, and now is the time we need to be together. We need to be in one accord And the third thing would be we need to be present. What I mean by that is we need to be a part of the church family, as in be here. Now, I'm not telling you this as though we're counting heads. No, there's something you get out of being in church. And that's the importance of it. You grow spiritually in that way. A lukewarm Christian is someone who tries to be on fire for God on Sunday and be on fire for the world on Monday, but they're cold as ice. And it mixes together. People like hot coffee. People like cold coffee. But nobody likes lukewarm coffee. It's just gross. And you have to really look at it from the perspective of how on fire are you really if you can play the part on Wednesday and Sunday but then go back to the normal on Monday. Something I've found that's kind of ironic, something I've I've recently discovered, and I actually shared this with Brad, and I'm surprised he hadn't stolen it from me yet, was there are two kinds of people that miss church. Those who miss because they just have to. I mean, life happens. Sometimes you just got to. And then, I mean, there's sickness, there's sometimes you're, you can't get out of the house for physical reasons, uh, an emergency happens, things like that. And then there are, to, there are those that miss just because church isn't a priority. It right. doesn't really matter. And I found that if you check on those where just life happens, they're grateful that you actually texted them. They're happy. And, and they say thank you. And it makes them feel good because they feel like a friend checked on them. But then you get those, um, I would say, or the, if, if it was a text we sent, just asking how they were, no response, or angry. or even I've even heard people jokingly talk about, oh, well, the pastor's going to call me if I'm not there. That's not what it is. It's not that. It's because we care about your spiritual growth. And that's where we're coming from as pastors when we call or when we text or when we send a message and say, hey, we missed you tonight, hope everything's good. Because it could be at that moment, your whole world's turning upside down. And you don't ever want it to be that the pastor said, well, every time I message her or him, they don't want nothing to do with me, so I guess I better not tonight. So even though we still deal with that second type We still stay consistent with messaging them because you never know what's going to go on in their world at that moment. That might be the moment that they actually need a friend, even though they haven't done anything in the world to help. There are many people out there that I've seen get pretty offended because they feel like the church hasn't been there for them when they haven't been in over a year. And that happens a lot. And that's the thing, is that we need to check on one another, but we need to stoke that fire. There is a passion that needs to burn inside of each and every one of us. And we need to help fire up those passions in all of us. Because when we all get on fire for God, it's kind of like the Christmas song, the weather outside is frightful. But you know what? The fire in here can be extremely delightful because we could be on fire for God. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I'm going to reword that song. I blonified it. They're like, okay, that's weird. (laughs) Yep, I blonified it. Now, our third thing is we've we've asked the question on how to become on fire, how to stay on fire. Now, what do we do with this fire? What do we do with this passion? Well, let's look. We've already read John chapter 2 where Jesus took the whips and flip the tables. Now let's go into Matthew chapter 28. Because this is where you're really going to see that passion for his house. Verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed to them. For when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Amen. So we saw in John where he was so offended that he he pretty much chased him out with whips and flipped over the tables and dumped out the money and everything. So we see that, and now as he gives this great commission, we're at the point where the temple has been destroyed. Correct? Yes. So... Something he had such passion for before, he knew was going to be destroyed. So then what is the temple? What is the zeal for his house? This is the building. This is the church building, right? But we all, we all like to say we are the church. We are the church. But what we are is we are the extension of this building as we go out those doors to our community. And what really is beautiful to me is if Jesus had that much passion over a building, how much more zeal does he have for this house? That's the passion we need. Jesus said, go and tell. To have zeal for his house means that we want to go out there, put ourselves sometimes in the most uncomfortable positions just to win people to Christ. Because we know where we once were. I know that person I used to be, that nobody, that drug addict, that alcoholic. I know who I once was. And I'm glad I'm set free, but I want to see other people set free as well. And so that passion inside of us should burn to the point where we want to go and tell. We are to make disciples of one another. Now, being a part of this building and saying we're an extension of this building means that we have to be a part of this building. And we have to be willing to be accountable to those in this building, to the leaders in our life. If we can't be a disciple, we can't make disciples. Come on now. All right. <laughs> you, you're messing me up. <laughs> Just playing. <laughs> I'm playing. No, seriously, we can't. If we can't be a disciple, we can't make disciples. You can't teach what you don't know. I mean, my dad had to study knife making, had to meet people and everything. There's a funny story, and my, my English teacher was so mad at me about this. In junior high, we had to read um, Romeo and Juliet. I read it, but I didn't know a word of what it was saying. But thankfully, that's when the movie came out with Leonardo DiCaprio, and they decided we're going to make it word for word. In the movie so my sister who loved the story and understood it who was older than me took me to the movies we sat down and through the entire movie she explained every single thing to me from the book I aced that class that teacher was so mad because she she said I did the lazy way I said I read it I just did my report from the movie and I told her, I said, yep, that came from the movie. But, but what I'm, I'm trying, I can't believe I told that story. But what I'm saying is we need that. We need people in our life to be able to um, disciple us and teach us. Because there are things in this Bible you're not going to know. I, I love the funniest question we always get is, what version of the Bible should I buy? What should I read? And you know, Pastor Brad and I always have the same one, same answer, the one you'll actually read. Sometimes we don't want to get too detailed. We see people who are unbelievers or brand new believers who want to skip to Revelation, and they don't know a single thing what's going on, when really there needs to be someone there that is helping with the baby food until you can finally take the solid food and the meat of the word. And that's what grows us. And you know, as you disciple someone, that stirs a fire in you. Like, oh wow, I'm actually making a difference. I'm doing something. When I see things in my children where they grow, it makes me so happy. It makes me say, wow, I'm actually doing something. And it makes me want to do even more. That's what, that's what zeal is. That's what that passion is. It's not that you're just doing what's required. You're going the extra mile. You're wanting to go deeper. You're wanting to learn more. You want to know every single thing about it. And that's our thing, is all of us, as being zeal for this house, Jesus had zeal for this house, which is us, and zeal for this building which is the church building. We are to be the extension that goes out, tells the world all about what he has done for us. And as you minister to people, you'll see where, as you see people's lives changed, the growth that happens. And what's so cool is you get to be a part of that. That's something. There's a lot of people out there that God has called them to be amazing people that the world has told them they're nothing. And that's what I love about God. He's he's everything. And for someone like me, who the life that I once lived, to see me now, it's amazing. I got to go back to one of my class reunions, and it was so amazing just to be able to show them a different person because they did not expect it. And, And a few of them even said... What, it, what, it, what happened? <laughs> and I have to tell them the truth because I got saved on 9-11. I have to tell them 9-11. I, it, was, it was a moment I needed in my life. I needed to finally make Jesus my Lord and Savior. And I did that day. And it was still a slow road. But when I finally got that passion in me from reading God's word and then getting connected in church and then making friends, and just having people in my life to mentor me and hold me accountable. That helped me grow. And I'm grateful for that. And I want every single one of you guys to feel that way. I know that I don't hype up as good. And so it's, I'm talking about passion at a monotone way. But there is passion at very different levels for everyone. I am very passionate and zealous for my ministry. Because I know it's what God called me to do. <coughs> Excuse me. And I want you to be as passionate for what God has called you to do. And the funniest thing is is I cannot sing a lick, but God still has given me a voice. And that's a blessing. And I hold that dear, and that's what helps keep me going. So we need to go out, we need to witness, tell our story and make disciples, and be the extension of this building because we are the temple. We are the zeal for God's house. We are that house. And on the last little note I want to say is how you go out and minister makes more of an impact than you think. Think about every person you have came in contact with and shared God's love, whether good or bad, however you did. (coughs) Ask yourself, The next person who comes and tells their faith to them, what memories of me comes back? Is it a bad memory or is it a good memory? Because I can tell you also there's a difference between zeal and crazy. You can be zealous without being crazy. God can call you to do crazy things. But when we say they're crazy, what we simply mean is to you it's out of your comfort zone. That's all it means. He may ask you to do something that seems crazy, but it's just you coming out of your comfort zone while that person next to you is probably blessed by whatever God has told you to do for them. So I wanted to close on that, on saying go and tell the world, because that is where our commission is. That is what our calling is. No matter what God has asked you to do, that is always 100% a part of your calling. So I'm gonna get you to close your Bibles and stand up.